On today's show, the Bucks sent a little bit of a scare through the fan base uh, up until the fourth quarter, but they managed to close out the game. No Giannis and no Drew Holiday in this one, but they still had four 20-plus point scorers in the game, which is very nice. Chris Milton, a season-high 34. And Javon Carter, is this the day? Is today the first day that we start a podcast talking about Javon Carter? Uh, stick around to find out. That is what we call a cliffhanger to start the show. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. for my work at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or listen of every single day on YouTube, on the old school podcasts. It all helps us and we really appreciate it. And we like it, especially when you get involved. So if you haven't subscribed or liked or followed or dropped a comment or a review, uh, please go do that because it's uh, free to do and it helps us and keeps this show rolling along uh, in our opinion, in our humble opinion, keeps this show rolling along very nicely. So we are getting close to the postseason. The Bucks pick up this win against the Pistons, 126 to 117. There was no Giannis, there was no Drew, and it had the real makings of being a game that absolutely left you really pissed off and disappointed with a loss against the worst team in the league who had their own uh, significant absences in this one, Frank. But... Uh, it is another hat tip to the depth. There's no doubt about that. To be able to get four 20-plus point scorers, I mentioned Chris and Javon Carter was you know, maybe uh, the guy that kept this team ticking along early in the fourth quarter. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Javon Carter and his three-point shooting in this game? I'll throw it to you, but it was a pretty nice performance. So it's funny. I, I wasn't watching the – I was watching this game probably like 30 minutes behind on DVR and uh, you know, had to do family dinner. Always do family dinner. Don't like to have the game on in the background. Early start. Early start. Yes. Um, so I just kind of was watching a little bit, paused it, had my dinner, and then uh, was kind of, you know, trying to play catch up, and uh, which I do often. That's part of the reason why I, I don't necessarily tweet tweet a whole lot during games. But uh, it's funny. I, I did not realize until I looked at the box score right after that Javon was six of seven from, from three-point range <laughs> because – I also remember him just like missing a ton of mid-range shots. <laughs> I think he was two for eight on twos and six for seven on threes. And um, I looked it up again after the game because I, I always had this feeling of, man, Javon just feels like he is just absolutely automatic on spot-up shots and on pull-ups, even though, you know, he's had these runs of hitting these pull-up threes in transition, um, which again, that's not the only form of a pull-up jump shot. Obviously, we normally there you know, in, in half court. Mm. Uh, but it feels like, yeah, I feel like he has gotten a bit trigger happy with those, but I was surprised. I was looking at, I think it's three point splits. It was still like 42, 43% on spot up and like 38, 39% on pull-ups, mm. which, you know, both those numbers are terrific. Um, and so it just speaks to the fact that his, you know, again, the consistency all year has been pretty remarkable, right? I mean, he had kind of in the middle, a little bit of a dip, but 
Um, you know, his spot up three point shooting has been such a, a great weapon for the Bucks, and obviously just been really important for him and a key part of how he has carved out a role, given the fact that he's not, you know, a natural, you know, pick and roll point guard. He's not a playmaker. You know, the more he dribbles, kind of like the worse the Bucks half court offense looks. But when he's kind of making quick decisions and taking those quick spot up three, especially from the corners. Um, he's obviously just been really valuable. And so, you know, I think whenever you have these games where you're missing key guys, obviously tonight, Drew and Giannis sitting out, you're going to need, we first look at Chris and Brooke, right? Those are the, the, the two remaining, remaining pieces of the core four. You know, it's, it's not like Brooke Lopez scoring 20 points as he did again tonight is anything new. We, it's not like it's anything that we, you know, are shocked to see Chris Middleton do at this point, um, even coming back from the injury. But still, both those guys delivered at the certainly the high end of of what we'd expect from them. And then for Javon to be kind of like the outlier guy in terms of bringing um, you know a real a big scoring performance that was obviously really big in a game that you know certainly more of a an offensive showcase than a d- defensive one. Neither team shot that well from three, but um, with the fouling and. I would say in general, right? Like this felt like a game where, you know, we were not seeing kind of peak Bucks defensive intensity um, throughout this game. A lot of, lot, probably a lot more fouling than Bud would like to have seen. Yes. And, uh, you know, but, but I, I think that, you know, that piece talking about Chris and Brooke, um, I thought the thing that I really liked with Chris today, again, ironically, it seems like his three point shooting is just like feast or famine. And I think it's encouraging that he can have, you know, season high in which he, what he was, he one for seven, I think from three tonight, I think he had eight points, five or eight rebounds, five assists. Um, but I think he was 12 out of 16 on two point shots and got to the rim a little bit, got to some of those floater range shots a little bit. And then just the, the kind of mid range game was, you know, I'd say vintage Chris Middleton, whether it was from the post, whether it was attacking off the dribble. And I, I just thought I really liked his, his pace. And by that, I mean, he was really, when he was getting the ball, really looking to attack and, and push and not slow the game down. And, you know, again, we don't think of Chris as like, I mean, he's not like some end-to-end type scorer typically, mm-hmm. but he really looked aggressive and felt confident kind of just getting to his spots all night long. And obviously this was a game where they really needed that creation because with Drew out, um, you know, and Javon starting, you don't have a natural playmaker in the starting five at the point guard spot. So um, so yeah, good, good time for a, you know, decade late revenge, not decade late, but you know, <laughs> 10 years on Chris Middleton still dishing out some revenge games, uh, against the Detroit Pistons, which is nice to see. And, you know, we're at that point of the season. I mean, the lead now over the Celtics, only two games, this big game on a back-to-back coming up later this week against Boston. And, you know, again, you kind of easy to take this game for granted, but we saw last week, you can either, you're going to kind of take these sorts of games for granted against these teams are not really looking like they are obviously contenders. Detroit, obviously well off the pace of Indiana, but still Indiana at home without Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I still look at that game and I'm like, man, that <laughs> you got to do better in games like that. They get another chance to take, take it to the Pacers on Wednesday on the first night of that back-to-back. But, you know, again, no one's going to look back on this game and think of it as like some huge win. And certainly it was not as convincing as you would have liked, but um, you know, with fewer guys missing two all-stars again, Detroit was missing a bunch of guys as well. Uh, but we saw Jaden Ivy, some of the young guys, Duran, you know, they've got, they've got talent, right. They can be frisky uh, and they've got nothing to lose right now. So um, 
again, uh, a, a great win. It was not, but uh, a solid win to kind of take care of business and keep uh, keep the gears moving here uh, on the road to hopefully a number one seed. Uh, again, not many games left and uh, not a whole lot of margin of error. So important win to, to grind out here, given the circumstances. Yeah, Bud was asked about the free throws for the Pistons and you know, coming into this game, even without Giannis, if you had told me the Bucks were going to be minus 10 on free throw attempts despite getting up 26 of their own, I would have raised my eyebrows and thought that does not sound right. And Bud was asked uh, the question that kind of went along the lines of, uh, what makes it hard about this? Uh, what, may, what is difficult about the way this Pistons team can get to the free throw line? And Bud responded how I thought he was going to respond. He was pretty disgusted, I think, with his own team's uh, defensive stuff. He said it was a point of emphasis coming in. So, yeah, that was clearly something uh, he wasn't going to be happy about. And also, just the last little note on Javon Carter. I mean, uh, I think a couple of those shots, he went through a period, so he missed the dunk uh, early in this game. And then I think... You know, he, he he got up a couple of quick shots. I think he was looking to redeem himself with a missed dunk and it didn't quite uh, work out there. But six for seven. And if he didn't shoot that well from three, no one else was hitting him because the rest of the team was eight for 37 from three. So thank goodness for Javon because a couple of those big ones uh, from the corner early in the fourth quarter when, yeah, the Pistons team uh, just wouldn't go away there at all, which was uh, at least looming as being a frustration point for this game. I've got some Brook Lopez trivia for you coming up when it comes to his scoring because you pointed to the fact that he had another 20-point game. We are now getting used to it based on what we've seen over the last six weeks. This isn't exactly something that's been commonplace over his last uh, few years with the Bucks, though. So I'm going to get to Brook Lopez trivia in just a second after I talk about FanDuel because uh, the NCAA tournament's uh, have well and truly heated up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. That's 1000 bucks back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. I thought I'd pull up the sixth man of the year odds. Uh, there was a bit of conversation on the Bucks feed. Uh, some of us like to respect the local announcers and we're watching uh, the local feed, but uh, some of us are really into the Pistons feed, like Frank. But uh, they were talking about six men, and I, <laughs> and I think Bobby Portis... Uh, Frank's on mute, but he's trying to make a rebuttal right now, and I'm uh, not having any of it. I, I always listen to, to Lisa and, and Marcus, and this t- tonight's case, it was Steve and, and Zora as well. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, I'm, I'm always loyal to, uh, to, the, to the Bally Sports feed. Absolutely. Uh, but they were talking about the fact that Bobby was, I think maybe there was a little bit of campaigning going on or something was brought up about him as six man. So six man of the year, Emmanuel quickly right now, the favorite at minus 195, which feels like it's just been a thing that's happened the last few games. But anyway, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's right there at plus 150. And then Bobby Porter's third favorite, plus 4,600. So some value there, if that's what you're interested in with Bobby. Another double-double tonight for him. Uh, gamble responsibly but then you get uh, also uh, it's safe and secure and super easy to use so go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up and don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks when you join fanduel today make every moment more with fanduel uh, so brooke lopez 24 points 14 rebounds got you a couple of blocks as well and again, played big minutes, played 35 minutes in this one uh, with Myers Leonard 
I guess he's still uh, just not available. He hasn't been available for a while now. They obviously signed him for the rest of the season, but he was eight for 11 from two. He only attempted one three. And again, it was one of those nights where even when he had the ball on the perimeter, when the Bucks were kind of in this back and forth, I was thinking, just put the ball on the floor and slowly charge your way to the basket. They literally cannot do anything to stop you. And he has just been dominating games this way. Um, before we get into that, though, so he has now had 22 games this season of 20-plus points, which that's a lot. Yeah. How many How many do you reckon he had? And I, I can't go the full buddy era because it's not quite as impressive, but uh, the last three seasons combined, 20-plus point games. Uh, I will say 16. Yeah, that's not a bad guess. 23. So essentially he's one 20-plus point game away from equaling what he's done over the last three seasons. And again, we've seen it more. We even saw for Brooke Lopez, it was a pretty graceful soaring through the air. Lob finish from Joe Ingles as well. I mean, we just keep on saying it, but he just looks awesome. And when the Bucks needed points tonight, he was the easy guy to get to. In addition to the fact that he had those five offensive rebounds, some of them came at really important times. And he even had that one where he was like flat-footed, just one hand in the air. He's like, I'm just going to grab this rebound and put it back in the basket. He's just awesome, Frank. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, a year ago, too, well, a year ago, obviously, he didn't play most of the year. But I think in previous years, you know, Brooks stepping up with a 24 and 14 night uh, on only 11 shots probably would have been like, you know, way more of a headline for us this year. It's like, well, he's averaging over 20 points a game in the month (laughs) of March. Right. I mean, um, we've kind of become somewhat numb to it, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it's funny because the story, there's so much, you know, people have gotten so used to restating like the, Oh, Brooke Lopez, he's transformed his game, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think, Obviously, the three-point pursuing, three-point percentage this year being a career high has been really helpful. Obviously, it's still an important weapon for him. It's not like he's you know stopped shooting threes or something like that. But I think we've seen it for a couple of years now. He has you know rediscovered, I'd say, more balance to his game, and um, you know just the 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 variety of of ways that he can score. Um, I mean, he hit that crazy like. He was blanketed. I think the clock was running. Chat clock was running down. And he dusts out like a step back, like 20-footer <laughs> with the guy's hand in his face and just bottoms out. I mean, the the touch he has, you know, from different angles on the move, you know, one-handed push shots, normal jump shots, step backs, all that stuff. Um, you know, I mean, he, he takes shots sometimes, especially out of the post where it's just like, man, that's a bad shot. But <laughs> when you've got when you've got touch like that, suddenly these shots become pretty good ones. I, I also really enjoyed the pocket pass Ingles gave him on the now signature Joe and Brooke. Uh Jolo. I don't know. What do you want to call the the, the George, Joe Ingles and Brooke Lopez uh pick and roll? I'm I just that, that literally came to me in <laughs> Longle Longle? No, that's Bringles. Joe Pez. Bro. Joe Pez. Bro. Could be just bro. Bro Ingles. Bro Ingles. <laughs> Joe Pez. Joe Pez. No. Um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with Jolo for now. Tell us. I like tweet it. Tweet at us. Tell us in the comments what is the best yes. uh, abbreviation of the, the Joe Ingles, Brooke Lopez pick and roll. But the Jolo, where uh, Ingles, you know, going to his left, throws a nice pocket pass. Brooke catches it and just goes and thunderously slams, gets knocked in the head for the end one um, yes. in, in one motion. That was. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So, um, 
yeah, he's just been remarkable this year. Um, I, I'm just so excited for him to to be doing what he's doing, to showing what he's showing, to be having this you know career best season at the age of 34, almost 35. Um, it will not make him any cheaper to retain from Milwaukee Bucks this summer. Uh, I, it's going to be a fascinating negotiation, right? I I thought you know in uh, beginning of this beginning of the season. You know, Al Horford extended for, I think, like 10 million a year for a couple of years. I thought, oh, Brooke, maybe he gets like 15 a year or something like that for a couple of years. Now I think you start getting into like, probably got to give him three years at this point. You know, there's a years versus dollars sort of, sort of thing. Probably need to give him three years. And I don't know. Does he get $20 million a year, right? I mean, he was he was basically this good when he got, what was it, whatever it was, four years, 52, I think, a few years ago. Obviously, that was a lower cap. So um, it's sort of these things like, you know, I don't think people expect him to be able to play forever, but for him to be looking this good and knock on wood, hopefully, you know, he stays healthy and continues doing this and leads the Bucks to another championship, right? And be is a key piece of it. But uh, it's, uh, it's put the Bucks in a, you know, a very good problem to have trying to figure out what you, what you pay Brooke Lopez. So uh, yeah, he's just been so crucial. And again, on nights like tonight where, you know, they, they opt to rest Giannis um, with what they term knee soreness. You know, again, probably some of this looking ahead to this back-to-back. When uh, my prediction, I think Giannis plays in the back-to-back um, against Brooklyn and, and Boston. Uh, as we mentioned, I think the Boston game becomes suddenly extremely crucial given that the Celtics have a – probably have the – I think what you'd say probably have the easiest schedule of the three teams atop the East – and Philly, interestingly, Philly now has dropped a couple games in a row. I think as we speak, they are uh, they're resting uh, Embiid against Jokic, and they're losing. So they seem to be dropping back. And even some conversation about like, you know, is Philly like tanking, <laughs> tanking for the four seed, which I think raises all sorts of interesting questions as well. Because you know, I've heard I saw some people talking about like, well, geez, if Cleveland somehow steals ahead of Philly for the three seed. If you're the Bucs, would you rather have the two seed to face Cleveland <laughs> potentially in the second round instead of the one seed? I don't know. I, at this point, like, just keep winning games. And, you know, I think you 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 deal with whatever uh, whatever you kind of come up what with. What a turn but, of events that would be, Frank. If, if, if Philly drops to the four... But the Bucks lose to Boston, and they and the fans are pissed, and then they end up getting a two-three with Cleveland anyway. Oh, it's crazy shit, that. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, Philly is at forty-nine, and if they lose tonight, they'll be at forty-nine and twenty-six. The Cavs are forty-eight and twenty-eight, so still a couple losses up for yeah. Philly in the in that column. Um, I'm not sure offhand what the tiebreaker is, but I I think Philly Philly is. I know Philly beat them at least a couple times recently, so I think Philly has the tiebreaker. They definitely are not behind in the tiebreaker head to head, but, um, but anyway, yeah, interesting. It's going to be an interesting close of the season. And, and again, especially, you know, the, the overlay of, of load management and, and not just load management to finish the season, but also just like trying to avoid like a last second injury to, you know, a last weekend of the season injury, right. Not, not just like, Oh, I don't want to kind of wear guys down, but uh, you know, if you catch a two week injury, three week injury, at this stage of the season, all of a sudden you're talking about guys missing playoff games, which is, you know, just the last thing that, that any of these teams want. So, um, so yeah, the long story short though, Brooke Lopez, shout out to Brooke. God, uh, 
God keep our, our, uh, our splash mountain healthy and uh, feeling good because he's been incredible this year. And uh, at least now, you know, wood table, uh, no signs of slowing down. No, everyone certainly listening to this podcast uh, loves uh, Jingpez and everything they're doing out on the floor. So <laughs> shout out to those two guys. Uh, as Frank said, uh, drop your Joe Ingalls, Brooke Lopez combined names in the YouTube comments and we'll we'll come up with one. But, you know, Frank might be on the winner so far. I, I'm happy to concede uh, and just come up with the absolute, absolute worst names I can possibly think of right now. Uh, I want to ask you about Jay Crowder returning, Goran Dragic making his Milwaukee uh, debut, and your one of your favorites, Wesley Matthews. So we have questions about those three guys in just a sec. I, I will just quickly on Chris Milton as well. We've discussed him probably more than any other player on the podcast this year for obvious reasons. They've taken it incredibly slow for him, and I was watching the post-game press conference, and uh, Eric you know, asked Bud about where Chris is at and you know, how is he looking, and Bud pointed to what you did with the free throw stuff and it does seem like he, there's definitely no fear in attacking the basket and, and seeking out that contact we saw that tonight and bud said that and hey look why wouldn't bud say this but he did say that he thinks he's heading towards uh you know, being better than he ever has now we'll wait and see how that pans out over the next few weeks but yeah you know, it's the one thing we know about chris milton sometimes we talk about this team and do they take advantage of mismatches uh, as much as they could. Chris has always done that. And there was a few times tonight with younger guys or guys that are a little bit smaller and he was just working them, absolutely working them to either get an open jump shot or get to the free throw line. So uh, it's fun to see Chris Milton shooting the ball like that, even though he was one for seven uh, from the outside tonight. So we'll get to some of these other guys uh, in just a second. Dragic, Crowder and Westman. So we've been waiting for this for a little while, Frank. Goran Dragic. We didn't know whether the day was ever going to come. And I must admit, like my first impression of, of Goran Dragic, and yeah, you know, he, he didn't play a lot. He played the nine minutes, didn't hit a shot. He had uh, three assists there, though, uh, and picked up a couple of quick fouls. But uh, because we've watched Goran Dragic for so long, just seeing him in the Bucks uniform on the court looks strange. And I'll tell you what else, and maybe this is just me, but he looks so tiny out on the floor. And maybe that's because the Bucks had big lineups. But anyway, we didn't see a lot of him. So that's the extent of my Goran Dragic reaction. But it was nice to see him out on the floor. The Crowder and Matthews stuff is interesting. Matthews played 16 minutes, had a couple of good steals that came at, at pretty important parts of this game. Crowder only played the 12 minutes his first game for a little while there. And we've discussed maybe those two guys are sort of battling because I had a look at the minutes total minutes, not per game, the total minutes from January 22nd to now, which is this run that the Bucks have been on, 25 and 4 in that stretch. Wesley Matthews is 10th for total minutes, and Jay Crowder is 11th for total minutes. And they're kind of battling here. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how Bud works this over the last few weeks of the regular season and then obviously into the postseason. But any thoughts on some of those role players that uh, we hadn't seen a lot of, certainly of late? I mean, you know, I, I think early in the season with Wes, you know, we asked the question of how much of his, you know, uh, very deliberate return from injury and the way they were managing the business, how much of that was Bud saving him for the playoffs versus how much of that was a, you know, declaration of basically Bud saying, you know what, I, I don't think we're going to be as, as West dependent as we were last year when, of course, you know, he ends up becoming a starter late in the season ahead of Grayson Allen, which obviously was 
a bud decision. It was not driven by injury and then uh, ends up starting obviously throughout the playoffs and, you know, got stretched further than everyone would have liked them to have to be stretched with, with Chris Middleton out. But I mean, at this point, honestly, I think um, with the limited role that he's had when the Bucks have been healthy, most mostly DNPing when the Bucks have been fully healthy and with the, you know, amount that they gave up for Jay Crowder, I have a very hard time seeing Jay Crowder, you know, at this point lose out on minutes to, to Wes. I think fingers crossed the Bucks are healthy in the playoffs. Um, but I think if that's the case, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm as big of a Wes Matthews fan probably as, as they're come among, you know, and I like to think I'm rational about it, but I'm, I do have a, obviously a sauce. Uh, Wes Matthews also a Rocky Rococo fan, by the way. Um, oh, but, nice. uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't think he's he's probably going to to play with any regularity unless there are injuries. And I think with Jay, uh, you know, the big differentiator is just at the end of the day, he can really play the four as more of a natural position for himself. And I think, you know, Jay is is in a way taking minutes from Wes, but I think he's also a guy that's going to take minutes from Bobby Portis, mm-hmm. who we should call out. Bobby had, you know, did what Bobby Portis should do in a game like this where he's elevated to a starting spot, plays 31 minutes in Giannis's absence, puts up 21 ports, 14 rebounds, hits three out of seven from deep. Um, you know, did the kind of stuff that you want Bobby Portis to do on, on a night when you're shorthanded. Um, but, you know, is he going to play 20 minutes a game in the playoffs? Again, hey, we all love Bobby. Can't, can't understate what he meant for the Bucks, especially in the finals and, and in Giannis's absence against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you know, this is a guy that played huge minutes, made big shots in games five and six of an NBA finals. So on the one hand, you know, I think there's always the concerns about his defense, but we've seen them be able to play with him in that team concept at the highest level and, and succeed. But with Giannis and Brooke and the level that Brooks at Brooks playing at this year. And the fact that you have Jay now as another guy that can play the four, um, I think it's you know very possible there's going to be scenarios where Bobby's limits are, are Bobby's minutes are severely limited. So, uh, so yeah, I think the the Crowder addition tonight obviously kind of easing him back after the calf injury. Uh, PJ Tucker also had a calf injury, as as people may recall, missed a bunch of time when uh, when he joined the Bucks a couple of years ago. So you know, again, I always try to be wary of of the direct comparisons, but uh, but uh, but good to see Jay back in the lineup here, and uh, hopefully. You know, with the Bucks, these muscle injuries, calves and hamstrings and quads and stuff. Hopefully, they they're through uh, the last of those types of injuries. But um, but yeah, I thought I thought Wes. Actually, I almost brought it up really early in the podcast. But he, he, as you pointed out, he had those two really big plays early in the fourth quarter when you know it was down to four points, two points, um, and Wes had a big steal, goes the other way, gets fouled, it's a couple free throws, and then I think on the subsequent possession, um, I don't think he. If I recall correctly, he like basically kind of stripped it out of bounds on on a, on a, off a piston to to create a turnover. I think is what happened. Um, my memory's not deceiving me. And so back to back plays where he you know either gets a steal or creates a turnover, go the other way. Bucks get a bucket and kind of you know basically begin to get that breathing room that that obviously they'd had through kind of you know the second quarter, parts of third quarter before Detroit kind of made it a game again. So you know again this is the depth thing, right? Just being able to bring a savvy veteran like Wes um, out on the floor. And you know, he had a number of plays today where he was, again, was able to be a ball hawk and, you know, get in, get strips, deflect the ball as a guy was driving to the basket, things like that. So 
you know, I don't, I think he, I think on, on the Dragic point, you know, uh, he, he finished off Dragic's first assist, nice little pass in the dunker spot for Wes. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Wes made another shot tonight other than that one, but um, other than that nice pass, I would say Goran Dragic did not look a guy, look like a guy that I'm having going to have any expectations for. Uh, it's his first game for the Bucks. Obviously he hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh, I thought the leg sleeve plus black shoes made him look especially slow uh, and diminutive. I feel like if you're, I feel like in general, I'm not a big fan of black shoes on NBA players. I feel like uh, lighter colored shoes make, make you look a little faster, more athletic. Uh, and when you're not fast or athletic, <laughs> like Goran Dragic is, I feel like it really accentuates, uh, you know, looking like a, uh, you know, some middle-aged white guy at a, at a, at a run. Um, the two shots he got up, the little floater mm. that he kind of forced did not look good. Uh, and, uh, and he kind of forced a, a three as well that, that he missed off the front iron. So, um, again, hopefully they stay healthy and Javon Carter continues to shoot the lights out from three and be a ball hawk on defense. And you get the playmaking of, you know, Drew, Giannis, Chris, uh, and Joe, and you don't really need Goran Dragic to, to play you minutes, but um, but we'll see. I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of, of Dragic over the course of the last week of the season. I'm sure we'll have at least one more, one or two more games where it'll be more of a bench crew, just given some of the back-to-backs, and we'll see what, what kind of where they are in the standings to finish the season in that last weekend. But um, but yeah, I'm, let's just say my low expectations for Goran Dragic's role were not in any way changed by his first game, but that doesn't mean that He's, uh, he's not going to show up at some point when they need him and potentially need to play a, a, a role. But certainly the, the design of this team is that he hopefully won't have to do that. Uh, no question. Just a couple of quick ones to wrap this up. Grayson Allen didn't have the best shooting night. Had some really good looks. He finished two for seven from three. But he did have a, a team high seven assists. So I guess the big question is, is uh, Giannis and Drew uh, holding the best playmaker back on the team in Grayson Allen? I guess that's a question that we'll have to look at. Over like, the next... like, like, like Austin, wait, Kane, did you, were you? Yeah, was, oh, trust me. Yes, I've seen it. Don't the, worry about that. The, uh, the Jay Williams. Uh, How do you fit calling? LeBron back in the lineup when you got Austin Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> if you what guys didn't hell? see this, if you guys didn't see this, just Google it. Like Jay what Williams. How? Austin Reeves and LeBron James basically making it seem as though it's going to be hard to reintegrate LeBron James uh, because Austin Reeves has been playing so well and he needs the ball in his hands. Anyway, just thinking, just thinking back fondly to uh, to Jay Williams uh, greeting the Giannis extension two years ago by talking about Talon Horton Tucker's preseason for the uh, LA Lakers. Just I don't know how Jay Williams keeps pulling a paycheck, but so it goes. Some uh, there's a couple of bad takes. We've all got uh, bad takes, but that's a couple of particularly tough ones uh, to look at there. Uh, one other thing from the press conference, just because I thought it was hilarious, at the end of the third quarter, Joe Ingles picked up a technical foul, and he was really not too happy with the official and a no call at the end of that quarter. Uh, Bud was kind of shoving him back to the bench, and Joe, I think, may have been uh, uttering some colourful Australian language in Bud's direction. After the game, Bud was asked about it, and he said, well, he was shoved in the back. He said it was a no call for the, in front of the whole world. <laughs> in front of an intimate, an intimate group of friends and family at Little Caesars Arena. In this case, I don't know how uh, 
I think I, Bud I was know. talking about me, to be honest. He yeah, knew that exactly. I was watching in Australia, and he said exactly. he did that to an Australian. That is Australian. Uh, that is a criminal act almost by this official not calling that foul. Uh, so anyway, just a classic uh, Bud line there uh, in the post-game press conference. And then I did tweet a video of Chris Milton getting uh, a towel thrown at him pretty vigorously right in the face at the end of Who this was game. That? Who threw him the towel? Well, uh, Buck's social media put something up and uh, all the comments that suggested it might have been Joe Ingles were absolutely correct. It was Joe and Chris. Anyway, congratulations on your 34.9. So good stuff all around uh, well, as far as I'm I, concerned. I will say this. Friend, friend of the pod, Justin Superbuck, uh, had the comment that, uh, uh, of course, you don't throw water on the man that Justin has nicknamed Moist Jordan, which... Mm. First off, the use of the word moist, always uh, questionable. Um, but in Chris's case, he is one of the, we, we, we've, I, I forget how much, how much we've joked about this on the podcast, but he, Chris is known to be a very sweaty NBA basketball player. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always think back, unfortunately, when he tore his hamstring years ago on a sweat puddle, hopefully not his own, but let's be honest, might've been his own. Um, he works up a good lather. And so, uh, yes, he's he's moist for that reason. So, yeah, maybe 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 Joe Ingles just saying, "Hey, man, towel off. We don't need to. We don't need to wet you down any further uh, before you get in the shower back here. Uh, start to dry off a little bit." But um, but yeah, good to see Chris Middleton obviously doing what we want to see Chris Middleton do and just looking comfortable, spending a lot of time on the ball tonight as well, right? I mean, this was this was not a game where he's just spotting up and you know posting up a little bit. He was you know, really creating a lot of the offense in the half court and, um, you know, look comfortable doing so. And, you know, of course, Hey, yes, would have been nice to have more of that on, on Saturday against the Denver Nuggets. But, um, you know, if he just puts up 20 points tonight, do they win this game? I don't know. <laughs> like they actually needed Chris Middleton to score 30 plus tonight, probably to win this basketball game. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, again, a pretty, pretty timely night for him to step up against his former team. So, uh, so yeah, shout out to Chris. He's up to 15.5 points, 4.4 rebounds and 15 and sorry, and five assists per game now, um, on the season, which, uh, is obviously good to see. And, and since the all-star break, 29 minutes per game, 18 points, 46% from the field, 35% from three, which almost surprises me. Like if, again, it feels like he's had so many of these bad shooting games, but he's also had a, a few like five for eight games. And four free throw attempts per game at 87%, 6.4 assists and 5.1 rebounds. I mean, I mean, again, that, that level of playmaking from a wing in only 29 minutes per game is pretty remarkable. And the fact that you've got two guys in both Chris and Joe Ingles that, you know, regularly can, can have this playmaking role is, is obviously big. And um, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about what Joe has meant and sort of patching over some of the, the rough patches offensively. And uh, Chris, again, doing what, what he's been doing. Good to see. Good to see. And hopefully Drew Holiday. I, by the way, there, there was a New York – I don't know that we've seen really like official confirmation of why Drew missed this game. It was listed for personal reasons. Um, there was a story in the New York Times today about a, like a, a fraud scheme that targeted NBA players. And Drew and Lauren, his wife, were mentioned as being victims or, or it being similar to uh, claims that – that they had made being victims of some sort of fraud scheme. So again, I think we're waiting to hear, I don't know how much we're going to hear about this, but my first thought was like, I hope there's nothing wrong with 
you know, his family or something going on there. Uh, we'll see if we get any confirmation of it. But um, again, curious timing here. Again, was it due to some legal reason? Again, hopefully uh, he and his family are doing okay. And uh, again, if uh, obviously they've been the victim of some sort of fraud scheme, you know, you only hope that uh, the the perpetrators are are brought to justice here. But apparently that that may be happening. So we'll see. Hopefully Drew is back soon. But obviously, uh, you know, probably not a bad time of year for him to get a day off. But certainly not the kind of circumstances that uh, that you'd want that to happen. So we'll see. I think still unclear if he's going to play on Wednesday. I don't know if Bud said anything post game came that, that you heard. Um, it sounded like that was still a bit of an open question. But hopefully he's back on Wednesday because. Again, they're they're going to need him certainly for that back to back, and uh, hopefully, hopefully he can get back to playing basketball and doing what uh, what we know he's capable of there. I tell you what, is back Wednesday and every single weekday. That's the Locked On Game to Game podcast on your Locked On NBA feed. So make sure you check it out to get the new stats, info, and analysis from across the NBA from all the local experts uh, across the Locked On network. So check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast on your Locked On NBA feed, uh, and then make sure. You drop a comment and like and subscribe this fine show because this was, um, well, yeah, so I'm happy to say it. This was some quality stuff tonight uh, from me and Frank. So if you enjoyed the, if you enjoyed the show, uh, help us out. Subscribe. And uh, remember, get your Joe Ingles, Brooke Lopez combo names uh, in on the YouTube comments. And hopefully someone is a little more creative than me. Uh, probably wouldn't be hard to do. So- splash, splash Dingo. I don't know. What's. There's no funny name for mountain in 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 Australian isms. Splingles, there? Splingles. That sounds. Uh, you don't want to catch. <laughs> splingles, to... <laughs> nasty case of Splingles. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's uh, when the opposition is trying to stop the the Joe Ingles, Brook Lopez pick and roll, and they just can't do anything about it. They've got Splingles and uh, a serious case of Splingles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead yeah. and say that's not winning. That's not winning the competition game. Okay, well, this is the, that's a great way to finish this uh, podcast. And one last, just really quick note, shout out to the Hop uh, in Milwaukee. I unfortunately ran off the tracks today and uh, not great for one of the great transport, uh, public transport services in the Milwaukee region. All right, we'll be we I mean, it's free, right? It's, it's, is it still free? It got me around. It got me to the third ward. I was maybe yeah. the only one using it, but I am a strong advocate. I mean, if it's a free train, sometimes it's going to go off the rails, you know? Right. I mean, that's just... And again, if you you get what you pay for, right? Um, you normally you get a lot more than you pay for. But uh, shout out to the hop. Um, one of these days, Kane, we're gonna grab a slice Good of Rocky Rococos, jump on the from the, from the hop. We're, yeah, we're gonna grab a slice of Rockies, jump on the hop, and uh, do a live pod from the hop. All right, we'll catch you all tomorrow.